Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and I'm very excited to bring this guest to y'all. In today's episode, we are going to be chatting with Tayomi, who is a certified sexologist, um, an authentic Tantra practitioner, and international pleasure coach with over nine years of experience in the sexual health field. She is honestly one that you have got to know in this area. She is one you've got to follow. So as always, you absolutely need to check out the episode notes so that you can click on all the links to all the amazing content and education and information that she's putting out there. Um, She is the founder of this amazing sex ed blog called Glamrotica101.com. And she emphasizes sexual empowerment of Black women worldwide, but is also highly inclusive. I... Honestly, I'm so freaking pumped to chat with Tayomi today because I've heard so many amazing things about her. And before we get into the episode, I just want to give a small little bachelor update and reminder for y'all that we still have not heard anything from ABC or or Warner Brothers after Chris Harrison very overtly and openly upheld white supremacy and defended racism and acknowledged that he did so in his statements. So I, again, really want to encourage y'all that as you watch the show, if you're watching the show, that you not only show your support for the women on the show, for Matt, our lead, but that you also show that you want accountability. So when you hashtag The Bachelor in your tweets, please remember to also include a hashtag Fire Chris Harrison. If you need a little bit of a refresher on accountability versus cancel culture to help you understand the difference, definitely recommend going to the Black Chillerettes page. You can either easily find them on my Instagram from any of the recent IGTV uh, videos and lives that I've done with them um, and check out Michaela's work and feel free to send her a Venmo. Um, so again, please let's keep moving with the movement here. Let's not let this just be a small moment where Chris has only the consequence of, you know, staying out of one episode that he will still get paid for as an executive producer. Um, You know, this franchise definitely needs more change from within, from top down, um, all throughout it. Okay. So um, remember to show your support for Black women right? For Rachel Lindsay, for all the women on this season, uh, for past alum and for future contestants who might be interested in going on this show that we make it a safe space for BIPOC contestants because it has not always been. Um, So just your friendly reminder here to continue to show support while also calling for accountability. These things don't change unless they hear that you want it to. So keep up all the great work and uh, I'm really excited to talk about sex things today. So <laughs> let's talk about it. So welcome to the show, Tayomi. Thank you so much for making the time to be here with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to have a conversation. Yeah, same. I was like, I'm just really looking forward to this episode, not only because I've heard amazing things about you from like several Uh different people already and just from (laughs) following you, but I was just like, wow, I'm excited to talk about like just sex. I've been talking Mm -hmm. so much just about racism (laughs) and just fucking heavy shit. And I'm like, I'm excited to talk about sex. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, you know, sex can get pretty heavy too, but I, you know, I appreciate the range that you have, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And that topic is so, it's like such a, a hot topic right now. I mean, it's mm-hmm. unfortunately a hot topic, but it's something that is really like, it's been placed in the forefront of our mm-hmm. consciousness, which is everything that's happening socially. And so I get it. And so I'm happy to be here. It's like a little bit of a break for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know it's important, but I was like, you know what? I just need rest and I'm just excited. We're going to talk about fun sex stuff. And even though sometimes within, you know, the world of sex, there is heavy stuff. It still mm-hmm. is. I'm looking forward to that. It's just, it's better. Awesome. <laughs> um, so I think first I've heard of you from several different places here. Um, Jet Setting Jasmine has spoken so highly of you and yes. I love her. Um, and then I did an interview with Sex Talk with my mom um, oh, yes. a while back and they had mentioned you, um, I think in like both interviews, I want to say, because we did like a pod swap. Um, I love them. And yeah, they're like, she's amazing. You've got to have her on. I'm just like, yeah, I've heard. You know what? It's so funny because when I went to their podcast, um, the one thing that Karen like mentioned, she was like, you just showed up in like this super bomb outfit. You know, your titties are just all out. Like it's just <laughs> casual. I'm like, but this is casual. This is my casual dress right now. And it's hot as fuck out here in LA. So yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that because it was like, she just, we were like live. And then she just straight cut to that. And I was like, oh damn, they can't see what I'm wearing on this podcast, but now they can get a great visual. So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now they know. <laughs> um, so you've been, I mean, doing podcast stuff, been doing work in the sex space for much longer than I have. Um, can you share with us a little bit of like how you even got into all of this in the first place? Yeah, it was a beautiful journey, actually. So um, prior to my life as a sexologist and sexpert, I was modeling and also a freelance writer, just writing for the music industry. So doing album reviews and reviewing live shows and um, just doing like some junior PR work for like certain artists, just trying to like get their names out there. And in modeling, like I wanted to be like a fashion model and I did America's Next Top Model. Like I did an episode and it was great, but it shifted things in my modeling career and so like my dad pulled me to the side and was just like look I don't care what you write about but you're such a talented writer you need to use your writing for something and Mm -hmm. this was when blogging kind of just started to make its rise around like 2009 um so I sat with myself and I was like all right if I am going to write and if I am going to start a blog, it has to be about something that I'm passionate about and will get up every day and talk about. And what is that? And I was like, oh, well, I know a lot about sex. Hmm. So I started doing some research to see what mm-hmm. other like black sex bloggers were out there or like therapists and like yeah. just sex experts and stuff. And honestly, at the time, I mean, I knew that black therapists, sex therapists existed, but I didn't really see people out there who looked like me and that were the age that I was at the time. I was 20. Mm-hmm one when I started doing research on this. All right. Time for a short break right here. And I've got a little bit of a story here. So, so first I am so 
so excited to have Belessa as a sponsor of this podcast. For sure, one of my favorite, favorite partnerships, okay? I absolutely love this company. And they have Belessa Plus, okay, where you you pay what you want, okay? There's an ethical porn renaissance happening right now, if you will. Um, and on Belessa, they, for Belessa Plus, it's basically like the Netflix of porn, okay? Uh, people want their porn, they want ethical porn, and Belessa wants you to have both. And I love that people are wanting both of those, and I absolutely love that Belessa is delivering this. Um, so they're offering and empowering you to choose what you want to pay for porn. No catch. Okay. Belessa is women owned and women run. Uh, they focus uh, on real genuine connection and, and it, they really actually focus on female pleasure. There's no fake orgasms, no fucked up ads. Uh, Belessa is the only porn company where female performers choose who they want to have sex with for their scene. Uh, so they posted um, on their Instagram a reel and this man was so fine. Uh, Damon Dice, uh, Spencer something. And I went and looked at his page and he followed me and I messaged them and I was like, oh my gosh, like this man is so fine. Like, where did he come from? And I guess he's in their films now. So like just is worth it. I promise you. And and they said he's like a real A plus guy too. And I was like, oh my gosh, of course he's really fine. And he's like, great guy. Awesome. Um, so y'all can head to balesaplus.co slash Taylor. Choose what you want to pay and enjoy Balesa's porn, erotica, and sex education guilt-free. Okay. Just enjoy yourself. Plus, they offer 100% discreet billing, so you can pause or cancel with just one click anytime. Again, y'all, that's balesaplus.co slash Taylor. Pay what you want for the Netflix of porn and join the ethical porn movement. We can get back to the show, y'all, but this is one of my favorite ads. I love doing this. I so appreciate y'all supporting me here. This is great. Now we can get back to the show. How did you already know so much about sex? Well, I started studying sex, like the mechanics of it and the chemicals and the science of it in high school, because I at one point wanted to be a doctor, but also Mm. I wanted to understand. But I've always had like this natural inclination towards sex and erotica. I started writing like erotic stories at 12, you know. I love it. I'm so happy you're here. My my favorite boy band was actually uh, the the subject of many of these erotic tales, and it was involving like me, my friends, and them. So we all had like these like sexual relationships with them. It was like, and I used to pass the book around like, here's book one. I'm re- working on book two right now. So. At a, young, at a young age, you know, I just had an interest in sex. And at one point, although I was afraid of like the actual act of sex because I was, um, mm. you know a virgin to partnered sex. I mean, I was masturbating, you know, so I used the language like a virgin to partnered sex because I was already having sex with myself and already Mm -hmm. fantasizing and doing stuff like that. And so I remember asking my mom at like 15, like, Hey, um, I want to study sex, not actually doing it, but there's all kinds of documentaries on a discovery channel that I want to watch. Can I watch them? Like I would ask her for permission to read the books and watch the the documentaries and Mm -hmm. she was okay with it. And so I started studying then, and then when I went to college, I started applying the things that I was reading about and learning, because what I believe is, as a coach, you want to be embodied. 
Mm-hmm. You don't just want to be an academic of sexual sciences. It's like, have you applied these things? And it really depends on what kind of like, because you have people who are academic researchers. It's like, okay, that's one thing. But when you're a coach, like trying to coach people through sexual dysfunctions and things like that, I really believe that it's important to be embodied, mm-hmm. meaning integrating the things that you learn and read. And so I started putting that stuff into practice. So I had all this knowledge and I've always used my own body as a litmus test, you know, as a testing ground. And one of the reasons why I wanted to write too was because I was going through all kind of shit um, in my sexual health at like 21 and it was fucking blowing me because mm-hmm. I was like, if I'm going through this, I know there's other women going through it and I don't want them to have to struggle and suffer through any of it, whether it be how they're approaching their sexuality or sexual health stuff. And so um And just seeing that I didn't see someone who looked like me, that spoke like me and could break things down and make it like lay as possible. I was like, well, let's not complain about not having the representation because this industry is very white and um, very like heteronormative focused. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to pick up and do the work. And now see, my work has definitely shifted over the years in being more inclusive because I started out focusing on black women. Cause I was like, we're not being spoken to mm-hmm. and who's speaking our language and like really able to relate to us. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start this blog. And I came up with the name glamorotica101.com mm-hmm. and I started a YouTube channel as well because YouTube was just getting popping around that time. Yeah. And you have like 600,000 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> And you know what? It's been organic growth. Like the last few years, I haven't really been active on YouTube because of all the changes with like terms of service and yeah. community guidelines. And it's fucking scary yep. because when you build up a page, a channel, and you have millions of people coming to your channel, you don't want to jeopardize that mm-hmm. because of something that they deem as unacceptable. You know yeah. what I mean? So I've been just like laying low and letting my old work work for me. And so it's just been growing organically. But I didn't see anybody on YouTube at the time teaching the how-to mechanics of sex. Like, how do you do this? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I consider that to be my specialty. It's like, what do you do with your hands and your body and your mind like to actually receive and experience pleasure? Um, and so it was really interesting to me when I launched it, because at first I wasn't going to put my face on it. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to run it anonymously and just be behind the scenes. And when I was working like in the music stuff and modeling, like people knew me. I was like a, I like to say I was a socialite in Chicago because I, I know how to build relationships and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was in all kinds of circles. So people knew me for modeling, but I was actually quite quiet. So I didn't share a lot of personal information about myself. So when the blog came out... <laughs> And my they were mentor, like, there she is. <laughs> yo, they were like, wait a minute. This is you? Like, where is all this coming from? I'm like, oh, behind closed doors. I'm a big old freak. Y'all have no idea. <laughs> but now you do because I'm sharing some information with y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took off very quickly. I think within two weeks of me publishing my first articles. And at the time, I was really big on Facebook. I'm not really that much anymore. Um, but... I started, like, once I started publishing these articles, my friends that were working in uh, radio at the time were like, you got to come on the show. And this is when podcasting really just started to just start to make its rise. Mm-hmm. So I literally had a radio show, I would say, within three months of me launching the blog, but I had already started doing all kinds of podcasts and um, 
people were just fascinated at the fact that I was this beautiful Black woman that had the boldness to talk about a topic that was so taboo. Mm -hmm. And the way that I like to write is like making it very relaxed and chill and just very easy to understand. Um, and that resonated with people. But then also, like when I started my YouTube channel, I didn't have a budget for actors. I didn't have a budget for a camera person or anything. So my friend invested in a flip camera for me and a tripod. He got all this from Target and was like, this is a start. I was like, okay, cool. And he allowed me to use his house to shoot. And I called on a friend who I was like, hey, um, can you do these videos with me? And I don't think he realized how wide, like widely popular they would be because he started getting people like hitting him up like, yo, is this you in these videos? And so I've had to shuffle through quite a bit of like male, like on-screen partners because when the videos go viral, some of them can't handle the pressure or even the backlash mm-hmm. that comes from like when they want to date. Yeah. The women being like, what's this? So um, those videos took off like so quick. And I was like, damn, this is great. And so I remember getting like my first 100,000 views. I was like, yo, whoa, this is this is great. And so um, it's just been a beautiful journey and just seeing how things have grown. Like it started out with me saying, you know what, I'm going to speak to black women and black women are definitely my like ideal avatar, but I like to speak to all women. So I feel like, okay, I make an emphasis that I'm here for everyone black. Um, Mm -hmm. because we're often shut out in these conversations and in this industry, like overall, it's not, it doesn't really placate to us. So Mm -hmm. I make that emphasis, but then I don't discriminate and I don't just shut my doors just because, um, you're not black or a person of color. And I know that there are some, uh, groups out there that are like, this is only for black folk. And, Mm -hmm. and I applaud that too. But, and in my work, I realized that, there are, there's a certain group of people who only resonate with my voice. And so I'm not going to turn you away because you don't look like me. And uh, working on inclusivity over the last 10 years of my career as things have changed, because like in the last 10 years, a lot has changed in this industry. And just even with like identifications Mm -hmm. and like uh, gender pronouns and like just so Mm -hmm. much. So I like to say I'm forever a student. Because I'm oh, yeah. always learning and just like shifting things as we go along. But it's been a wonderful journey. I've had videos that have gone viral. I was featured on Tosh.0 on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just so many beautiful things. I, I wrote for Ebony Magazine and Ebony.com mm-hmm. for a little while and BlackDoctor.org to get my name out there. And yeah, uh, it's been a beautiful journey. And I just feel like it's just the beginning, though. So yeah. I mean, I feel like you got a lot more coming your way. So, and I, and I know you work really hard. All right. Time for a short break here. I've got a lovely sponsor of this podcast called Feels. Y'all know I'm all about the feels. Uh, and I feel that I feel a lot of feels, including stress and anxiety. And as some of y'all know, I have definitely had a difficult time falling asleep the last few weeks and even just actually staying asleep. Like my mind has just been on and our brain naturally already has cannabinoids in our brain. So I absolutely love using the feels premium CBD to help reduce my stress, help reduce my anxiety. Um, Using CBD allows it to just interact with that natural part of my brain that's already there to just help balance me out a little bit. Um, It's super easy to take. So all I do is I drop a few 
few uh, feels <laughs> under my tongue and then literally just silence my mind <laughs> so that I can get some actual quality sleep. Um, there's no high, there's no hangover, no addiction, nothing like that, because this doesn't have any THC in it. This is literally just CBD. Um, and if you are new to CBD, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide you on your personal experience. And you can join their community and get Feels delivered to your door every month. So you'll save order, you'll save money on every order, um, and you can pause or cancel it at any time. And of course, y'all, I got a discount for you. So because feels has got me feeling my best every day and helping me to maintain balance in my system, um, I want to help you out. You can become a member today by going to feels.com slash Taylor, and you will get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's a deal. That's a deal right there. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash Taylor to become a member and you get 50%, 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Again, that's feels.com slash Taylor. Be sure to check that one out, y'all, because that's one of my faves. <laughs> and uh, now we can get back to the show. Um, I want to focus a little bit here on that female pleasure female pleasure piece. There's a majority of our listeners are female identifying or vulva owners. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that is a a passion point for you. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your work specifically that's geared towards vulva owners? Oh my gosh. So it's a layered work, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A part of it is like teaching vulva owners about their bodies and how they work because we really don't know. We really don't know about our internalized anatomy. We don't know that we have erectile tissue too. We don't Mm -hmm. know that that erectile tissue is responsible for our orgasmic ability. And then that trauma and things Mm -hmm. that we experience throughout our lives can impact these tissues and in how we see ourselves. And so, and then also like your health, certain health conditions can impact your ability to connect with yourself and even socioeconomical impact. Like if you are living a life of survival, you know, and there are certain, certain classes and certain groups of people that are, are more affected by this. So if you are in a space of survival, you're not going to be focusing on your sex life or your sexual energy or anything like that. And your mental health is also going to take a hit. So um, in my work with vulva owners, it's really layered. It's like, okay, I have some people who we have to literally break down the the mental programming and the mindset, but I always start that with everybody. Um, Because if your mind is not, if if your mind is focused on everything else, you know, the survival, scarcity mindset, trauma, Mm-hmm. then your your body's not going to be able to respond. Even if I say, even if I teach you technique, you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to move beyond the mental stuff to even integrate yeah. and embody the techniques, right? So it starts there. Uh, so teaching about body, removing the, the mental stuff. And it's like literally the same things that I see consistently, religious programming, um, things in the family unit, that programming from like, you know, parental care or like family um, of course, societal programming, uh, pop culture programming, patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to put that in my, so I came up with like a list of eight P's. I got to add pay, patriarchy because it's like the 10th one, which is a very yeah. heavily influential one, right? Yeah. Um, and 
just also bringing this work, because it's work, right, to move through this stuff, but bringing it to my clients in a way where it's easily digestible and also Mm -hmm. helping them to know, like, helping them see it a different way so that they can actually process it and move through it with ease. And I've developed several different, like, techniques that I consider to be, like, quote unquote, unconventional. Mm -hmm. And that's something that as a coach, I have to be honest that I've judged myself about Mm. over the course of my career. Because when when I like, and this is why I don't like comparison, when I compare myself to like strict academics, you Mm -hmm. know, those who are like hit the books hard, they got all the credentials and degrees. Yeah. I think that I'm not like good enough. But then when the people come back and they tell me, you said this thing and it shifted everything for me, or you did this thing mm-hmm. and it and it completely changed my life. I'm like, it doesn't matter if I have the degrees or not. The proof in the work that I'm doing is in the results that the people who listen to me and who yeah. are coming to me for help receive. And so I'm always say like, I'm here for the people. I'm here for the masses. And it feels really good. So um, I just have a passion point for people with vulvas because mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, our sexuality has been so suppressed. And on the flip side, what's crazy is that even though men and their sexuality have been prioritized, they're still very lost and ignorant and confused. And there's still a lot that they don't even know about their own sexual Mm -hmm. power and also how to apply that when it comes to vulva owners. So it's Mm-hmm. I've opened up my practice to uh, help men as well, help them reframe what pleasure looks like instead of being so uh, penetration focused. Yeah. And even for even for uh, my vulva owner clients, I'm like, pleasure, sexual pleasure is not just rooted in penetration. There's so mm-hmm. much more. So helping them expand their awareness around that too. Yeah. So absolutely, it's it's, uh, it's work, <laughs> but yeah. it doesn't. It's, it's, it's fun work for me because to see mm-hmm. a person go from being just like closed up and feeling like they're, they're not the full version of themselves that they want to be. Yeah. It's just seeing everything in their life expand just from focusing on this one area. It's like so enriching and affirming for me. Mm-hmm. Can you share about one of the, um, like maybe an example of like an unconventional method that you might use where you've kind of had that doubt with yourself? Cause I feel like we could, we should like amp that up here. Yeah. I mean, just in, in how I approach like the mentality of the mm-hmm. things that, that people have experienced as far as trauma. So helping them reframe using mindfulness and mm-hmm. ownership. Mm-hmm. Of, your, of what you've created. And I, I say that's unconventional because in the principles that I use to help people move through, the outside world would, would probably perceive that as crazy because yeah. our world is, is so driven by ego mm-hmm. and, and the ego is often tied to the wound itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> yeah, I trigger people. <laughs> That, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I, yeah, the ego part, very, very real here. I like to call it the trifuckery of patriarchy, white supremacy, and capitalism. Um, ooh, I'm ugh. really, I think I might've said this in my episode last week, but I'm really considering this for my dissertation for my uh, PhD in sexology right now. Uh, very highly considering that to be a dissertation project. Um, you but, should, because <laughs> the trifuckery of it all, it- it just layers and compounds the issues. Yeah, 
Definitely. And it's not the easiest thing to break through. And you don't really mm-hmm. hear that that perspective shared often. So I say go for it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> all right. We're going to take a short break right here for a little mental health check-in from one of our lovely sponsors of the podcast, BetterHelp. If you don't know, BetterHelp is a online counseling service, not a crisis line, but actual professional therapy from licensed professional therapists. You get matched with a therapist within 24 hours. And if it's a therapist that you don't really feel is the best fit, don't need to stress about it whatsoever. They are free to change counselor and they, counselors and they make it super, super easy. Um, one of the biggest things that I always hear from folks is that therapy is not affordable and that can be a really big barrier for folks to receiving the help that they need. So not only does BetterHelp offer very affordable um, counseling, but they also also offer financial aid. So highly, highly encourage you to check out the financial aid feature for BetterHelp. Um, this is a very reputable source that I would definitely recommend for y'all. And so many people use it that they're even recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. So if you are a provider, be sure to check them out if you're looking for some more work. Um, and I want to make it even more affordable for y'all. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off of your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash talk about it. You can join over a million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash talk about it. So now that we've got that little reminder in your brains for later, we can now get back to the show. We've brought up men a little bit here. Um, and honestly, I feel like anything we talk about on here, you've probably written about 10 times over um, on your blog, Glam Erotica 101. I highly recommend people check that out. All kinds of things for tips and tricks and education. Um, and you had a blog post on there about, and I feel like this is geared towards people with penises, but I feel like this is also very important for uh, people with vulvas as well, because again, I think this is a message sent by patriarchy and patriarchy is harmful to all genders. Um, so the question was, does size matter more than stroke? <sighs> you know, <laughs> I've literally been having conversations about this recently on Twitter and about mm. size and stuff because of big the the undercurrent for me is to encourage people with penises to drop this idea that it's about size and knowing that every person who enjoys to be penetrated by a penis, like they have a preference because most of them know their bodies. And it's not as much about being a particular size as it is, are you the right fit? You know, is this going to be comfortable for Mm -hmm. the person who is receiving the penis? And do you know how to, do you know how to use it? Especially in situations where there may be some pain involved, that there are certain health conditions like endometriosis or cystic fibroids, or, you know, there's so many different things that could be present that could cause painful sex. And so number one, are you patient enough to be able to do the pre-work to know what type of health conditions Mm -hmm. is your partner dealing with if they are a vulva owner that may cause pain? And just because she can't, quote unquote, take the dick or they can't take the dick doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that they're inadequate. There may be something present that may be preventing that. And then do you know how to stroke? Do you know how to use uh, the power in your hips instead of using the full weight of your body 
to press into your partner and explore instead of just stabbing and poking around in there. And then also, um, I'm do you know flashbacks to the girl? I, the- you, look, we we've all had it, and it's crazy because it they don't even understand how traumatic that is. Like I remember having a situation where um, I couldn't walk for like three days. And that was not a good thing. It, there was a lot of trauma sustained to my vagina and my pelvic region because of the type of stroking that was being used and the lack of lubrication. Spit is not adequate, okay? Nope. Especially when you're using condoms. It's just not, no. okay? It Mm-mm. becomes rubbery and the friction is just it's horrible. So um, it's not a reason to not use condoms. It's a reason to use lube. I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You snapped myself I mean, on that one. Look, I understand like barrier free sex is the quote unquote natural way and using barriers not only is helpful for preventing the spread of STIs, but for those of us that don't use, uh, you know, medicated contraception Mm -hmm. as our form of birth control, condoms are the easiest and fastest and most effective way to do that. And I'm in that category. I don't use hormonal birth control anymore. I'm glad Mm -hmm. that I stopped because I didn't like how it was making my body feel. And so um, same. I just think it's important for penis owners to understand Drop this fucking idea. Oh, I gotta have a big dick to be satisfying. I literally did a poll on my Twitter and there was, I think, 800 plus um, Vova owners that responded. 63%, 62, 63% said five to seven inches of dick was adequate. It was mm-hmm. enough. And they care more about girth than length. And they were like, these, these, these people were surprised. They were like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. I can't believe this. And I'm like, what? what is it? You don't believe it because you watch pornography so much and you forget that there is a casting process mm-hmm. and that it's based in fantasy yeah, more so than realism. And mm-hmm. so they're casting bigger dicks for a purpose, but that's not real life sex for everyone. Yeah. It's you not representative I mean? of the it's, average of dicks. It's not. I mean, and, and there are so many average size dicks out here mm-hmm. and they are able to do the job because yeah. it's the method of stroking. It, and two, I think they negate the emotional piece. You know, there are there are so many vulva owners who are like, I need to have an emotional connection mm-hmm. in order to, number one, feel safe. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the one thing I'm like, do you realize that creating a safe space? For this person is more important than the measurement of your dick. Like that's more important than anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and it's not just in penetration it's either. Not, like it's, it's not <laughs> the method of of sex. Our definition of sex is very heteronormative, penis focused. And yes. if you have a smaller size penis, that doesn't mean that like you won't have a sex life period because there is more to sex than just vaginal or anal penetration. I know. Like, and it shocks the average person when they realize that, like, mm-hmm. it's so interesting because my grandmother called me yesterday and she was like, how do two women have sex? <laughs> and I'm like, I love it. where is this conversation coming from? But she was asking for, for a very specific reason 
um, because of somebody in our family that was going through something with their lover. But mm-hmm. she was like, of course I know about sex. I didn't have a few babies, but I just didn't know how two women. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, well, it's not penetrative focused. You know, I said it can mm-hmm. be. And also there is like a whole spectrum of things that can be done outside yeah. of penetration to still experience sexual pleasure. And I said, now knowing them, they're old school, they're probably a little more quote unquote vanilla Mm and how they express themselves sexually. But for those who are a little kinkier on the spectrum, then, you know, there's all kinds of things you can get into, Mm -hmm. um, to experience sexual pleasure. So, um, I just love the fact that she asked me that question. And then, um, just, and she's old school. She was born in like the forties, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. to explain to her that sex isn't just penetration and penis focused and for her to be like hmm okay and to receive it I was like yes grandma (laughs) let's go (laughs) but you're right I love that she asked I I did and and you know you're right that a lot of the education out there is very like penis driven and Mm -hmm. so a part of my goal with my clients always is like let's expand your ideas around sex a little Mm -hmm. more and like with COVID, you know, I've had more outer course experiences than I have like ever before in my life and like distanced sessions like via Skype or mm-hmm. like, FaceTime or whatever, which that's always been a part of my sex life period because I, I date long distance primarily. Same. Um, and I love it. Like, just the, the pleasure that I feel in knowing like I have full control over myself because I'm here and you're mm-hmm. over there, but you can still turn me on. We can still have this amazing experience mm-hmm. and I don't have to kick anybody out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, we can just log off and I'll see you in the morning. So mm-hmm. um, just, I, I am happy to see more people educating on outer course Mm-hmm. And and expanding outside of like this, just just straight penis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> straight and, and, penis pleasure. Yeah, and I think it does take away some of the pressure on penises to perform, mm-hmm. to uh, show up a certain size. Um, you know, I think it's something that all genders need to be focused on kind of uh, eliminating that pressure because I know there are a lot of women, a lot of people with vulvas who um, do put that pressure on like, does he have a small dick? Like, like don't have a small dick. And it's like, well, if he does have a small dick, like that's okay. A, there are toys, there are extensions, there are other things you can do other than just penetrative sex. Like he isn't all of a sudden, the penis person is not all of a sudden um, you know, a throwaway. Uh, yeah, damaged goods, not a good partner anymore just because they have a smaller penis. Like there's still a lot of other fun things you can do with a smaller penis. And I mean, deep throat becomes a whole lot easier. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you know, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Cause like in my career, I've had a few clients who had micro penises and I've mm-hmm. even had like partners in my personal life that have micro penises. And, and it was like earlier on, in my career, um, knowing what I know now, it's like, I definitely don't discriminate because mm. 
if you like the person and you have an emotional connection to the person, there's so many other things that you can explore sexually where you both can receive pleasure, even if an orgasm is or is not present. And that's the thing too. We're so Mm -hmm. orgasm focused. And I mean, it's clear in all the articles and stuff. It's like how to get the orgasm you desire. And I get it. And I also teach orgasm mastery. Yes. But Mm -hmm. a part of my teaching orgasm mastery is dropping this idea that sexual pleasure is only about an orgasm Yeah, because you you miss the journey there. Mm -hmm. There's still so so much pleasure before you even get to the orgasm in the first place. And there are so many different types of orgasms that like female bodies can experience, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And male bodies too. But we, don't know about them because we're not educated about them uh, mm-hmm. in a, on a massive scale. So it's like you really have to be more in a nuanced program with a coach to actually know. And I mean, there are articles out there that explain them. But when when you're a lay person and you're reading this stuff, it's like, okay, so how do I get there? Even if I've, yeah. especially if I've never experienced an orgasm, how do I even know I'm experiencing a spot orgasm? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just dropping this idea that sex is just only orgasm focused. It's like, but do, did you feel good? Mm-hmm. Were you connected? You know, and people aren't, people conflate sexuality and sensuality. They think it's the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's two separate things. Sensual pleasures, all the pleasures that we receive through our five senses and we experience the world through our senses. Mm-hmm. So there's so much pleasure that can be experienced through our senses but again, going back to like the socioeconomical impact and traumatic impacts, like people shut off their senses because they don't want to feel wounded or they don't want to be in pain, mm-hmm. being re-traumatized, you know what I mean, by their environments. And so I find in my work that I have to help remove the blocks and the barriers around sensuality for them to even get to that point of experiencing pleasure and comfort in their sexual pleasure. Because if you're not connected to your body and its senses, then you're going to be just going through the motions of sex, probably feeling numb and not feeling anything because you're shut off from your senses and it's your body's defense mechanism. So it's nobody's fault. It's literally your body doing what it thinks is best to prevent you from experiencing that trauma or that pain again. Mm-hmm. And if you're still in the situation, if you're still in the relationship, you know, it's like a consistent defense mechanism. So, so in my work, sometimes, you know what happens? People's lives fucking crumble, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because I always say like the things that don't serve your higher self are going to be removed from your life because what you're asking for is to go from being repressed to being like, you know, empowered, empowered. and that means things dropping away that are preventing you from being your full higher self. That may mean that relationship you're in right now is going to crumble and end. And so Mm -hmm. I have to be honest as a coach, I've definitely (laughs) felt some apprehensions. I'm like, Oh shit, this person's going to be like, you're fucking ruining my life. And I'm like, actually, no, the life was already ruined. I'm just helping you shatter it and pick up the pieces so you can live a better life. Like, I promise oh. it looks better on the other end. Right. Like, on the other side of this, it looks better. I'm going to hold your hand. <laughs> Give me your hand. I got you. Yeah. We're in this together. <laughs> it's a journey. Ooh, it's a journey. And me as a coach, I'm still going through my own journey. And I always tell my clients, like... 
Um, and because I coach in a lot of group containers, you know, and I'm always mm-hmm. like, look, I'm growing and learning and moving through my own shit too. And I want you to know, yeah, I go through shit as well. Yeah. I've never wanted to be that authorit- authoritative person. It's just like, mm-hmm. I got it all figured out. I'm so perfect. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm a work in progress as well, y'all. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And that is anti the trifuckery because it allows you to show up as a human in your profession. And that does not take away from your worth or your intelligence or your education to show up fully as a professional. Exactly. And I, I've been learning on the job. Okay. Because (laughs) when I started and even now there still is no blueprint, you know, but especially when I started, there's way more sex experts in the world right now, black sex experts, than there was 10 mm-hmm. years ago. So there was literally no blueprint. And I've basically been learning on the job, not just in like in my practice, but with how to navigate social media mm-hmm. and just the internet in general, because, you know, it's a big space. <laughs> the censorship <laughs> shit. And then they pick and choose what they want to censor and who they want to censor. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, mm, mm. yep. <sighs> we could, yo, I don't want to go there today. <laughs> I want to get on that soapbox. <laughs> I mean, real quick, can we get a plug for your Instagram? <laughs> yes. At Real Glamazon Tayomi is my Instagram. Follow me there. Mm-hmm. And Twitter at Glamazon Tayomi. Follow me there as well. YouTube.com slash Glamorotica 101. If you want to check out those videos, they are super fun. Mm-hmm. More are on the way. Yeah. But yeah, I've I've been through it. Shit. I- <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's intense. It's intense. And it is, I I definitely find myself balancing kind of what you spoke about earlier in terms of YouTube of like, you've got the platform. Now, how can you like still provide comprehensive education and, and, and share authentic experiences while also not maybe jeopardizing the platform that you have built? Um, it is very hard. Um, Stressful as fuck. Yeah. Very, very stressful. Um, this is one of the reasons I love that you have your blog, though. And there were a few, <laughs> I mean, again, all this will be linked in the episode notes, but there were a few um, articles that really stuck out to me that you wrote that I want to touch on here. One of them I felt really seen in, and the other one I was like, hold up, what? Um, so... <laughs> So earlier you mentioned orgasms, right? Like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. different kinds of orgasms that uh, people with vulvas can have. And you had a blog post about what is this white creamy stuff? Um, (laughs) And I've tried to explain this in the past. And I know, you know, personally, I've felt like embarrassed in the past and been like, like what? I don't know. Uh." Mm -hmm. Um, And felt like something was wrong with me. And so for anyone else listening out there who has a vulva or vagina, um, I really like this is you're not alone. Okay. Um, So can we talk about the white creamy stuff that comes out of our vaginas sometimes when we are experiencing penetration. So I love this because vulva owners can literally ejaculate four different ways and penis owners can only ejaculate one way, which is awesome to know. Like our bodies are fucking amazing and powerful. (laughs) And so one of the ways that we ejaculate is through creaming and it's in this, this white substance, you know, like Mm -hmm. an ancient, in ancient Asia, <laughs> they would literally call it elixir of life. Like they believed that consuming this 
was like a way to increase vitality. They would consume. But it's basically, the- yeah, they would eat it. Wow. Yeah. They That's would like eat real cream it. pie right there. Exactly. Like pie. <laughs> right. Real <Okay>. cream pie. <laughs> That's a nutritional so, cream pie. Look, it's, it's so interesting how there's so much like dialogue and imagery around women consuming uh, or mm-hmm. like, you know, female embodied people consuming male cum. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the cum, that comes out of vulvas, vaginas. Now it's a whole different story. It's like, well, actually. Yeah. It's like, unless it's, unless you're squirting, it's not seen as this like sexual thing. I mean, I remember like now I understand it, but I remember in the past, like partners literally being like, what is that? Like, is something like wrong? And me being like, I don't know. I don't think so. That's just like, I'm enjoying myself, but not having the education or understanding the science behind it to be like, well, this is what this is. It's literally just another form of lubrication, and it just happens to be thick and creamy, and it it helps with uh, reducing friction, of course. And it's almost like science can't even really explain like where it even comes from, but it's there, and mm-hmm. um, it's nutrition rich, and it's amazing, and visually it looks fucking good to me because I'm like, <laughs> ooh, look at you creaming, look at you yeah. all excited. Yeah, let's let's go. So, yeah, we cream, we gush, which gushing is like squirting, except the water, the fluid comes out of the vagina. And then we ejaculate, which is from the skin's gland, and then we squirt, which comes out of the bladder, you know. And so four different ways. And sometimes, like, female ejaculation and squirting can happen simultaneously, mm-hmm. so you might miss, like, the difference in substances. Um, but it's freaking hot. I mean... You know, and all it takes is education. And I wrote that article because so many women were just like, what is this? And they felt embarrassed Mm -hmm. by it. And I mean, our vaginas are always secreting things. You know what I mean? So it's not very clear about what all these different secretions can mean. And I just uh, purchased a book that I think every vulva owner should have. It's called The Fifth Vital Sign. Mm -hmm. And it basically talks about the vagina and uh, the menstrual cycle and like I'm reading this part right now about all of these different discharges and what they mean. And I was like, my I'm mind blown. Um, because this is not education that we, that's like widely spread. So you have to be someone who really is like a, a a sex geek Mm -hmm. to like do the work to find this stuff. And so a part of my job is I feel like I take this stuff, I decipher it and then I put it in the like, the most mm-hmm. late terms as possible so that the average person can consume it and feel more empowered, you know, in their sexual knowledge. Cause the average person is not going to go grab that book and read it. They're just not. No. And it's so disappointing. And this is where I always say like my pettiness fuels my work because I feel so <laughs> upset and like I've been wrongfully done because like that's not even necessarily a sex thing to be educated around what the different types of discharge are that like mm-hmm. we experience with our vaginas. That is education that a thousand fucking percent deserves to yes. be in our sex health classes in middle school, in mm-hmm. in high school, because I mean, 
just again, fuck this fucking patriarchy because our, <laughs> our education around sex is, I know I talk about this all the time and sorry to get on the soapbox again, but it is so geared towards <laughs> our fucking reproductive value. Like mm-hmm. we should be able to understand a, a UTI, a yeast infection versus bacterial vaginosis to understand all yep. these different types of uh, liquids that literally come out of our fucking bodies you're going to educate yep. us on, like, this is our nose. This is our teeth. This is how we take care of our teeth. Tell me how to take care of my vagina. Tell me how my Thank vagina you. takes care of itself. Right. And, and, and let us know what belongs there and what doesn't, because that's mm-hmm. not common knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's not common sense. Yeah. And that's the trifactory capitalism fucking us up, thinking we need to put all this shit up there that don't belong. You know what's crazy? It's like, I've been doing this work for 10 years. And then just when I think I should be moving on in what I'm teaching, there's a flood of people who come through and they just affirm, like, actually, no, you need to just stay right here with this content and continue to spoon feed so that it's not overwhelming. Like, you would think that as much as we have evolved in technology Mm -hmm. and all of these things, that we have evolved in our knowledge and awareness of our bodies and connectedness and all of that. And we have not. It's so funny how we're still literally in the dark ages. Like people still, people don't even know that condoms have evolved and still saying things like, oh, you know, I'm allergic to latex. I'm going to get lambskin. It's like, what? <laughs> like, you got options, what century right? are you in? But, but, but I don't blame them. Because they have not been educated even on condom education and the fact that there is a hierarchy, that not all rubbers are created equal and that, you know, there and you don't have to use latex. You can use non-latex, which mm-hmm. isn't rubber at all. I mean, it's, Polyurethane. there's a lack of education, what? right? Polyurethane. But then there's another one there's that's a, like it. Yeah. Poly something. I forget. Poly something that literally is great because of the heat transfer. Like it allows heat to transfer between genitals. So it feels like nothing's there. I love those. That's my favorite. Um, And then just even knowing like the lubrications that coat some of these condoms, they're not Mm -hmm. all created equal. So it might not be the actual material of the condom, but the lubricant itself that you might have a sensitivity Mm -hmm. to. I mean, there's so many things that are just not being taught. And so people are just left to figure it out. Yeah. And, and in figuring it out, it could be harmful. You know, it could cost you a lot of money in medical bills, or mm-hmm. you could be walking around with infections or things going on in your body that you don't even know are present because you've only heard through the grapevine that, oh, like if you have this symptom, then it could mean you have something. Yeah. It's like- you could totally be asymptomatic and still be a carrier of something. And so it really pisses me off that we're in 2021 and people still don't know like the basics of sexual hygiene or just hygiene for genitals mm-hmm. in general um, and how it all plays into like the grand scheme of things. And mm-hmm. uh And I'm like, well, I chose this industry because I knew that I would always have a job. And each (laughs) year it's just reinforced, like even the the people who are young and they're just turning 18 or whatever, they are blissfully unaware. And so it's like, well, 
here we go. Mm-hmm. More teaching. Let's go. So yeah. Yeah. The teaching will be never ending unless Ceaseless. some actual laws get passed for comprehensive sex education. And even then there will still be folks uh, who like to uphold the trifuckery that will try to go against comprehensive sex education and fight very hard to make sure that you know, adults and, and, and adolescents and children are not receiving this vital information about what happens in their bodies and how they can experience uh, pleasure and health within their bodies. Um, I did Google that really quickly. The It's polyester. I'm not going to even know how to pronounce it. So I don't know if it's <laughs> worth it. Polyisophrene. And then there's like polyisotherin. Mm-hmm. I know what words you mean. In my mind, I'm like, I'm going to let her. Go ahead, because I'll be fucking words up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. The polyisopreen is the one that I really like. I definitely Mm -hmm. recommend that kind. Um, There was one other article piece that you had written on that I wanted you to touch on because I had never heard this before. And I was like, (laughs) we need to talk about this. Um, So people have always kind of said, oh, you can tell if a guy has like a big dick based on like the size of his feet. And... You did this blog post on uh, how facial features can reveal vagina size. So, please. (laughs) In in ancient Taoism, like the Taoist matchmakers created a system where they would use facial features to match lovers together so that they would have the correct genital pairings for both partners to experience sex in its fullest potential. And so um, I did not make any of this up. You know, one of my favorite Taoist teachers is Montauk Chia, and I got this information from his book, Sexual Reflexology. Mm-hmm. And so he goes through facial features of male uh, and female body people and saying, like, you can tell from the shapes of the eyes and lips and nose and even earlobes and, like, how your eyebrows are shaped and all of that to determine genital size even like your hands. So we say, oh, it's the size of a man's feet. He's like, nah, look at the thumbs. <laughs> the thumbs mirror. Check them thumbs out. My boyfriend, my partner, he's got toe thumbs. So does he, he have a fat? Di- yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but, okay. so look, he was saying like literally the shape of the thumb determines like uh, the shape of the penis. So if they have thicker thumbs, it's going to be like girthier, you know? Um, and if like the top of the, the thumb is wider and then it goes to like a thinner shape at the bottom, then that means that the head and the part, top part of the shaft is wider than the bottom. You know so, what? The new sex scene is going to be, send me a pick of your thumb. I'm just saying. Let me see that I look, thumb. I look at hands all the time. I'm not even going to, I'm not kidding. I look at, I've always looked at hands because like, I just like to be gripped and held and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking at how fleshy a person's hands are. But with men specifically, I started, after reading that book, I started looking at thumbs like, let me see. And just to prove a point, when their dicks would get hard, I'd be like, okay, give me your thumb now. Now put it up right next to your dick and just look at it. Just, 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 just do a comparison. And there have been quite a few times where like my partners have been like, oh shit, it actually does like mirror my thumb. So um I and I I, I, <laughs> I put that article up there because it definitely correlates with the whole size matter situation. Mm-hmm. Um 
Because like just looking at a person, you can't necessarily like, like chemistry wise. Yeah. You're like, okay, we got chemistry. We know energetically we mesh well. We have a sexual attraction to each other. But if mm-hmm. there was a way to physically be able to tell like, okay, what is a person working with in their pants? Then it could help with like matchmaking. You know what I mean? Um, and so even in the Kama Sutra, they talk about the pairings of the genitals and how like, you know, if someone who has ox genitals is, are paired with like a rabbit, you know, it's going to be mismatched. And yeah. there, is, there is no way for both partners to receive satisfaction. So there has to be a lot of adjusting. Mm-hmm. There was, um, well, first, like the first thing I ever shared about Zach was his thumb. <laughs> With his toe thumb because I was like, why is it shaped? Like it's it literally looks it's like wide like a toe, like a toe, like your big toe. And I would always he hated it because I, I didn't put out his name. I was just like, yeah, like this is a toe thumb guy. Um so I guess there's that, but um I've been watching uh the show Girlfriends from the beginning. Yes. I actually really it's highly problematic in so many ways. And I'm sure if I were watching it back then, maybe people just didn't see things that way. I don't know, but I like, I actually hate the show, but I'm on season five now. So I'm like, I'm just still watching it just to point shit out at this point. And spoiler alert, there was the most the episode I just recently watched, um, William and Joan finally try to have sex. And when they do, he calls her the ooch ouch girl uh, because she just kept saying like, ooh, ouch, ouch. And the whole running joke is that William is very large and has a huge penis. And mm-hmm. first of all, like hate both of their characters so, so <laughs> much. There's so much to unpack there. But then afterwards... Um, William told, like, her girlfriends, and she was upset that, like, why are you telling them I'm ooch ouch girl? Like, now the only way to redo this is for us to do it again and try to make it fit. And uh, William was kind of standing up on his high horse, and then Joan finally cracked, and she was like, you know what? Like, did you ever think maybe that, like, you weren't doing enough to actually get me turned on for me to want to, like, open up to let all that in? And I was like, okay. Tell him exactly. Mm-hmm. This isn't just like we're. I'm ready to have sex. Okay, stick this giant penis just right inside my vagina now. That's yep. not how it works. So, um, talking about like things fitting, um, I was even thinking about that watching that episode of like, well, if she's really relaxed and if they have proper lube and they're she's fully aroused, then I don't know would his penis be too big to actually fit inside of her vagina? Or, you know, is it just the right amount of muscles and and your vaginal uh, opening opening? This is the thing too, this idea that it all has to fit. Mm -hmm. You know, there is this expectation of, I've got to fit all the way inside or else I'm not successful. And I've talked to, quite a few penis owners who are very large and they say, I'm never able to fit all the way in because they've reached a cervix and you can't go further than that. You know what I mean? There are some women who can take the whole thing with ease and there's others where it's like, this is my limit. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so I think also just reframing this idea when it comes to penetration that you don't necessarily have to fit the entire thing in. And, you know, Even with oral, even with deep throating, most of that sensitivity is up at the tip. You don't got to be fucking up your throat like I did. 
I, I was going to say, you know, whatever doesn't fit, just use your hands as an assistant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't feel the pressure to have to have the entire shaft enveloped inside of an orifice. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if it's painful, like, and you could be extremely aroused and use all the lube, but once you hit, once you hit the bottom, once you hit the cervix, like, where are you going? Yeah. You know, it's not going in my belly. It's literally coming, trying to push through mm-hmm. into my uterus. And it, please don't give me contractions. Like, I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I um, feel like that's like a smaller pop, smaller population portion of the population who is going to have penises that are that large that can't, can't make it through there. But even then, again, it is education on, uh, you said outer course. I think in the past I've used the word other course, um, you know, but having something that is other than penetrative. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's like, um, just the whole conversation around size, like you said, we said earlier, it places so much pressure Mm -hmm. on people, you know what I mean? And, (sighs) This idea that like there's more large penises than average penises, it's, it's, it's really because of the pornography programming. And I'm like, fellas, please just, just stop. Just, just, just mm-hmm. stop for a second and realize that big dicks are probably like 11% or less of the entire population. I'm just going to say, though, I'm a big dick magnet because most, <laughs> most of my experiences have been... Okay, most a big dick magnet, <laughs> big dicks, and and I've had quite a few average dicks as well, which I quite enjoy. But I've had a lot of experience with dick, and a lot of them have been quite large. And I just be like, challenge accepted. So, um, I tried that, and then I had to go to the doctor. <laughs> girl, now look, I'm not gonna sit up here and say there have not been a few occasions in my 10 years experience of, of having sex with partners that I have not ended up in the hospital once or twice. I can count on one hand how many times that's happened. It's about, about three. Um, you know. Are you open to sharing one of those stories? Ooh. Mm. All right. Yes, I am. So. Love it. And, and this is where, like, when you drink alcohol and you're going to mix sex in, you need to make sure you are coherent and not yes, fucking you do. drunk out of your mind because you don't, you might not know what happened. So um, this was single de Mayo two years ago. Okay. I had a little party. It was like a little, a little like, you know, freaky Cinco de Mayo. Mm-hmm. And after like I was, whoo, I was wasted this day. And um, so there was a lot that was going on and me and my partner at the time, you know, we had agreed to do things after the party. And so mm-hmm. once everybody left and we kind of cleaned up and stuff, we started getting into uh, our sexy stuff. And when they say demon time, I get it because like on certain alcohols, there is just another uh, demon. Okay. Or something <laughs> that just fucking comes out of me. That's not me. It's something else. And so there was a point where I know I blacked out because I was like, I don't remember that shit. All I remember was like getting it in. And then apparently that other thing took over and was requesting some things that I don't even remember requesting. I just know I woke up at like 7 a.m. and um, I just felt a severe, like crampy feeling. 
And mm-hmm. I was still like hung over. So I was like trying to go to the bathroom because I thought maybe I'm just constipated or something and it just wasn't working. And then the pain just started to increase. So I was like writhing in pain, but my partner was confused because the noises that I was making was sounding like I was still moaning <laughs> and like maybe, maybe like playing with myself, but it wasn't like, and so I was like, well, let me just lie down. And so two hours later, the pain is just increasing, increasing, and then I can't breathe. And so mm-hmm. I was like, all right, we got to call the ambulance. And we called the ambulance. They took me to the hospital. It was a whole traumatic experience because, like, they left me in the, the this back room of the emergency room with no call button or anything. Thank God my sister's a nurse, and she rushed to my side to be my advocate because they was reading somebody else's chart off to me, completely removing my uterus, saying... Oh, so you had a hysterectomy? I was like, what? Whose chart is that? That's not my chart. I, I have all of my, 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 my parts are still intact. Like, it was the scariest fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to have a catheter in because I literally could not feel the lower half of my body. Like I couldn't feel my bladder. I couldn't feel my colon. I couldn't feel anything. So yeah. apparently a cyst ruptured and all the fluid from the cyst, like, pushed on all of my organs and everything in my abdominal region and that's what was like causing the cramping like they saw all of this on ultrasounds and, and this was and whatever. in your anus or in your vagina so um I'm assuming that it was uh probably a, a, a ovarian cyst um but that's it's still kind of inconclusive to me because yeah. um I just felt like they kept mixing shit up with my chart and all that. So anyway, yeah. um, basically they were just like, well, there isn't much that we can do besides just monitoring the pain and allowing the fluid to be reabsorbed into your body over time. So I had to stay in the hospital overnight and they monitored me and helped me like, you know, monitor the pain and everything. Um, but it was like hard to walk or even move for about a week. And um, I couldn't even go to the bathroom. Like I had to go get a colonic because I couldn't mm-hmm. pass stool. So I was like, did we do something anally? Because I'm trying to figure out why I can't go to the bathroom. Yeah. So it was quite traumatic. And, um, and it wasn't even like he had a super big dick. It was just the force at which that demon was, was... The demon was like, give me more. Cause he was like, you kept saying more. I was like, I don't remember that shit. I was like, yo, a demon. So, um, yeah, needless to say me and alcohol and sex nowadays, I'm just like, I shall do a shot. I shall have a glass of wine, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like drunk sex because of that reason. Like, and, um, but the multiple times when I did end up in the hospital, it was like an, ov- like a cyst rupture. Mm. Um, so that can from happen. that penetration like I, being so intense. Right. Yeah. Um, from intense penetration or like even just penetrating in certain positions um, hmm. where you just hit a little pocket, that pocket's uncomfortable. And yeah. so like kn- knowing your body is important. Mm-hmm. At, at some point though, this year, I definitely want to get an ultrasound because I want them to tell me like, what do my ovaries look like? like yeah. Like were those cysts already there or like... That's what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, so I know that uh, I live with with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So mm. my ovaries are already kind of cystic from that. Yeah. Um, but you just don't ever know like when a cyst is growing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You only yeah. know it's there when it ruptures. 
and then you're yeah. in pain, you know? Mm-hmm. So get checked up, vulva yeah. owners. Like, get your pap smears. If you're feeling pain, talk to your, your doctor about it because they can do, like, some pelvic floor tests and, mm-hmm. you know, run some other tests to just figure out, you know, what's going on here. If you are having any experiences with dyspareunia, you know, with, with painful sex, get it checked out. Because yeah. sometimes it's a matter of you need more simulation to open up and relax. And sometimes it's a matter of there may be something going on health-wise that you want to check mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story. That definitely sounds oh. highly traumatic. Um, it's <laughs> definitely, <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, I don't personally drink, so I've never actually had drunk sex, but that, Oof. that, that just hearing those experiences of like not being able to be in touch with your body while having a bodied experience because of alcohol mm-hmm. has always sounded very scary and very traumatic to me. Even when people, I remember in high school, like girlfriends being like, oh, we had sex. I didn't even remember that. And me being yeah. like in my head, I'm like, sorry, what? What? Like you're okay with that? What? <laughs> and that is something in our society that literally, um, there's jokes made about it and mm-hmm. it's seen as something that's acceptable. Like I've heard people say, I only like having sex if I'm drunk. And when yeah. I hear that, I'm like, you don't want to be embodied. Yeah. Um, but it's not safe. It's not mm-hmm. safe because you can't uh, revoke consent. If you're not feeling safe, you don't know if you're feeling safe or not. Yeah. You feel like a superhero mm-hmm. on alcohol because it's literally depressing everything else that's going on. And I'll say, if I drink too much, my genitals take an impact. Like, they start mm-hmm. to feel numb. Mm-hmm. So, like, my my relationship with alcohol has completely shifted from when like, I was in my 20s to now in my early 30s. It's, like, such a healthier space with it all. Mm-hmm. And also, when it comes to sex, I'm just, like, I want to be embodied and connected. I don't need alcohol um, to get into that space. And so the whole culture around like, let's get her drunk. Yeah. Fucking rapey. Fucking mm-hmm. rapey. Okay. Um, and that, that bothers me because it's so ingrained in our society. Mm-hmm. And we don't even see that as like a violation of consent. And we also don't see it as like coercion. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, let's very fine line. Yeah. Well, let's kind of wrap up on on this note of of consent. Um, and I think particularly as we've already talked about the trifuckery, um, that consent specifically to cisgender heterosexual men um, is a really strong, very important piece of consent in all of our sexual lives. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I think one of the major issues is this idea of like ownership, right? So when you, especially if you are in a monogamous relationship, mm-hmm. you get into a committed monogamous relationship and it's this idea that, you know, oh, I own this person's body. Yeah. And then it's this idea that, oh, well, if they consented to sex one time, then that consent is like a blanket consent, just period. Not how it works. And it's not. Consent is something that shifts and, and can and will shift consistently, even within the same hour, okay? Mm-hmm. So there is no blanket card of consent given, and they don't understand that. 
And they also don't think that asking is sexy. And I'm like, well, even if you can't verbalize, there's so many nonverbal forms of communication that if you just pay attention, it's there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, one of the pieces of nonverbal communication that's so common and it's joked about and it's laughed about and I hate it is um, when they say like, oh, move your hands or, oh, why are you pushing me back? Don't run from the dick. And it's like, okay. Um, Excuse me, sir? If a, if a woman has her hands over her vagina, that yeah. is a nonverbal sign of communication. Please don't go there. This yeah. is uncomfortable. Even if it's not being verbalized, this is what that means. If she's pushing you back with her feet or pushing you back with her hands, that is a sign that you are too deep and this is uncomfortable. She's not running from the dick. She's literally telling you in a nonverbal way because she doesn't want to use her words. Maybe she feels like she can't use her words or she's in a trauma freeze or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a sign. Stop. And- and literally just even if your brain is operating from that, like don't run from the dick mindset, that just automatically implies this sense of like this person just innately is going to want my dick and exactly. they shouldn't the be running away. From it. Yeah, that that level of entitlement. Um, I remember this was kind of a little bit of a debate of like, the asking piece where mm-hmm. I've had guys ask just straight up, you know, can I kiss you? And there's been so many debates as to like, is that sexy? Like then clearly he's not a man or like, he's not paying attention. And I think like one really sweet way that people can initiate consent and maybe tell me if I'm wrong on this, but something that I've liked and something that like I have said, and even before I've ever had sexual contact with a person, even when I'm in relationship with that person, I'll say things like, I really want to kiss you right now. Yes. And based on their reaction is going to give me some kind of a signal as to they would like that too. They're maybe not in the mood. They maybe aren't there yet. Um, And maybe it's maybe not the best way to give consent because it's like imposing on them perhaps, but I felt like it was a good way of like communicating your desires and your needs and also allowing space for them to give consent where you're not just acting on that desire and you're not necessarily putting pressure of like, yes or no, but just like, I yeah, that right now. I think that that's a healthy way of expressing your desire because uh, just because you express it doesn't mean that it has to be acted on, but mm-hmm. you having the freedom and feeling innocent to express what you want, then it literally places the power in the other person's court to either say, let's explore that more, whether that Mm -hmm. be through conversation or the actual act of kissing. And I think that a lot of people have an issue with um, gaining and and asking for consent Mm -hmm. because they're like, it's not sexy to ask. Everyone thinks that Sex is supposed to be the spontaneous thing that just happens and you just go with your feelings. Um, but in real life, if you go with your feelings, the first of all, each person's having a different experience in their mind. So while you may be turned on and aroused and you want to join with that person in a kiss, the other person may be completely fine being in their own separate space, just like feeling your energy at a distance and they're not mm-hmm. having the same experience. And so to ask is not only polite, but it makes sure that both people are on the same page and that no one feels violated. Cause I can't tell you how many times I have been kissed yeah. without my consent. Um, and then not even just from like 
people that I'm dating. I'm talking about like being out at a party, dancing with somebody, we're face to face and literally they're like reaching in, trying to kiss me on the mouth. And I'm like, first of all, where they do that at? Mm-hmm. Okay. Secondly, why? Like, why are you just trying to move into my space? I literally had to fight, like yeah. literally move my face five different directions to avoid someone kissing me that I didn't want kissing me. And so mm-hmm. to ask for me personally is sexy because I've been, yeah. I've had my personal space infringed upon too many times. So when someone who wants to interact with me in that way, they ask me mm-hmm. or they share their desire, it yeah. makes me feel really safe with them. And I'm just like, wow, you actually respect me. You're not just trying to impose your desires on me. So mm-hmm. I think that we just need to have more education around what consent looks like and what it doesn't look like mm-hmm. because it can be very nuanced because Super. for some for some people, they're just like, oh, either it's just yes or no, right? Nope. Don't worry about that. It could be, it could be yes to I want you to kiss me on my lips, on my face. And it could be mm-hmm. no, I don't want you to go down on me. Yeah. It could be yes, I desire to have penetrative sex with you. And it could be no to anal. Mm-hmm. So a yes is not a yes to all the things. It's a yes for the thing whatever it is that's taking the forefront. And Mm -hmm. that is where the insidiousness can come in, right? Because it's like, you hear yes. And as someone who is entitled, who feels entitled, and someone who doesn't have the the range or even communication communication skills to be able to navigate, they just think that a yes is a full yes, consent to everything. Mm -hmm. And if you have a person who doesn't know how to say no, or they freeze up or they get shook because they've been traumatized in the past or they just don't have the language. Then they may just allow things to happen because they think, oh, well, I said yes. So all these things are okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, more education around consent and uh, teaching, especially teaching (laughs) heteronormative men, people with penises, teaching them that you're not entitled, asking Mm -hmm. is sexy, it's so important. And I know uh, the National Coalition for Sexual Health, they have some literature around asking for consent and what consent looks like. So ncsh.org definitely can uh, reference them for we'll more link. education on that. Yes. Yeah, we'll definitely link them in the notes. Um, I think, again, when we look at how patriarchy impacts consent, it's unpacking that entitlement that often men feel and the like that ends up harming them as well because their safety at times then is not even considered because it seems Mm -hmm. like it's an automatic given that they want it and just have to bring this up uh, on The Bachelor a few weeks ago. uh, They had a new group of women and as soon as she came out of the limo, she just planted one on him real thick without any words, nothing. And immediately I was just like, no, that was not okay. That was not okay. Even if he thinks she's hot, even if, you know, they, after the fact, he enjoyed it. No, it is still a no in my book. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because when it comes to consent, when it's the other way around, when it's Mm -hmm. things being done to people with penises, it's not held in the same 
regard as it is when it's the other way around. And we don't talk about that enough either. Like just because Mm -hmm. you have a penis and you're a man doesn't mean that you just want sexual things to happen to you. Doesn't mean you Mm -hmm. want to be objectified. Doesn't mean you want to have your junk grabbed on. Or Mike Johnson was just on the podcast last week talking about girls just be out here grabbing his dick. And I'm like, why do these women feel so entitled to your body? And you are a black man. Mm-hmm. Not okay. Yeah. Th- this is a real thing. And like, I'm a touchy person, you know, I, I, res- I respond to touch and I express myself through touch. And, you know, as I've gone throughout life, even just doing something as simple as like touching someone's back or grabbing their hand. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm always right. I'm always kind of like um, in that space of, I, I will either ask verbally or mm-hmm. it's the nonverbal cues. Like if I move closer to you and you don't move away, um, yeah. then I'm reaching in. And if I reach in and I feel that you're receiving me, then I'll go and I'll lay that hand down. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And again, I understand that feeling of this is not sexy to ask because you just want to be impulsive. And that's how we're mm-hmm. trained to be like in societal standard. Yeah. But you have to really think like, how would I feel if someone just did this without my consent? Would I feel comfortable? Yeah. So giving the next person that, that same respect when it comes to how you interact with their body, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. I feel like I could literally chat with you forever. Um, I know we're <laughs> over, so we'll wrap it up uh, in a polyuserforine condom here. Um, <laughs> um, I would love for you to share a little bit about some of the things that you're currently doing. You're doing these cowgirl workouts um, for oh, yes. vulva owners and would love for you to share kind of all the places that people can find you and things that you have coming up. Yeah. So um, this year I'm launching my Pleasure Academy. You know, I emphasize that I'm a pleasure coach. So it's more than just sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's sensual pleasure, emotional pleasure. And so I kind of wrap all of my teachings up into that. But I'm launching thepleasureacademy.com uh, in mid-March, starting out with Orgasm Mastery for Women. But there also will be classes for penis owners and people who identify as men as well. Mm-hmm. And um the space will be inclusive. You know, it doesn't matter what gender you subscribe to. Um, it's about how does your body work and how can I help you like move through those things? So I'm super excited about that because it's more passive programs mm-hmm. where people will have access to their content for life for as long as they're, you know, signed mm-hmm. up and they're a member. So That's you pay, yeah, you pay once you got lifetime access. And then you also have like check-ins with me on a weekly basis where I'm checking in and I'm like, Hey, how's the work going? Whatever. In a group container. And then also I currently run, um, the cowgirl workout, which is, uh, we've been featured in Cosmo like twice, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a, an interactive community for Vova owners. And there are women all over the world that are a part of this community. Um, but my my cowgirl workout has been so popular. And I've taught this class like dozens of times around the world. Mm-hmm. And with COVID, um, I had to take everything online and make it digital. And so instead of mm-hmm. just doing the typical masterclass that I do, I turned it into like a weekly workout where Tuesday through Saturday, we get together and we focus on different types of workouts. And my goal is like protecting your knees, (laughs) helping you correct the inconsistencies and things in the hips and helping Mm -hmm. you learn how to move to control the stroke. Because riding dick is basically the vulva owner 
taking control of the stroke. So I help women reframe um, and Volvo owners reframe what it means to ride dick. And then also just through movement, helping them to reconnect with their bodies. And Mm -hmm. the program is not a weight loss program, but weight loss definitely is a result of practicing regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's a lot of work. I mean, whenever I'm up there, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like, (laughs) God damn it. Sometimes I'm really in it. And then I'm like, wow, Taylor, you're feeling so much pleasure. You're not even thinking about the fact that you're tired right now. You're just going for it. But then other times I'm like, oh my God, I really want to keep going, but I don't think my body can. I'm tired. Exactly. Like I I teach stamina. Mm. I do strength training. I teach flexibility because those are the core pillars that help you to perform better when you have to take over the stroke. And I always tell my ladies, like, look, I'm training you to be a marathon runner, but I'm also training you to snatch their soul in like three minutes. So let's go, <laughs> you know. Um, but and where the, do people find that part? The, the so members.thecowgirlworkout.com. And if you put the cowgirl workout in Google, it's literally like the second thing that pops up. You can read testimonials on the, the front page from women who have joined with me in doing this. But it's an amazing space and it's a very safe space for Vova owners. And I've had a lot of my clients that are members of this say that there isn't a space like it on the internet that exists because a lot of the the groups that promote female empowerment, they end up turning into something else. Mm. But I interact with my clients consistently and I do more Mm. than just teach how to ride dick. We're learning the principles of love and reading the way of mastery. And we have a sister circle where you know, they can share with me their issues and the things that they're dealing with. And I also present them with other challenges. So in the month of March, we're doing a a sexy confidence challenge where I'm helping them to uncover the things that's keeping them from really feeling confident in their sexual expression. And um, like I said, my ways of helping people do that starts in the mind and the, the tools that I give them, I consider to be unconventional but they work. So um, like we did um, in January, we did a detox your diet challenge. And it wasn't just about saying, oh, drink smoothies and green, green juices. I was literally attacking the mindset around how we approach food mm. and nutrition. And one of the most powerful things that one of my clients said was uh, one of the days I talked about how, you know, we are trained to clear your plate. But that Mm -hmm. comes from scarcity mindset. So if you grew up poor or if your parents grew up poor, they just brought that into the relationship with you. And so to hear one of my clients say, I really see how that was connected to me growing up poor and I no longer do that and I still feel satiated without feeling stuffed. That was powerful for me to know that just by putting that there, that it shifted so much. And so um, it's, such a, it's a beautiful community that I'm so glad that I created. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's online, people can join from all over. It's just $24.99 a month. And it's like basically like a gym membership, actually less than a gym membership mm-hmm. than like LA Fitness or whatever. Um, but you get so much more. And I also upload um, replays from different webinars that I do outside of the container that are related to like female pleasure. So there's so much value Mm -hmm. that people get when they join the community. And it's my favorite place to be online, honestly. And it's the only workout that I do that keeps me in shape. So 
Come through, yes. Boba owners, come through, ladies. Let's have a good time. And I'm here to hold space for you um, in the most beautiful way. So, yeah, members.thecowgirlworkout.com. Mm-hmm. Join me over there. And yeah, you yeah, got my blog site, you got the YouTube, yep. you got social yeah. media. Just yeah. come well, kick it with me. Mm-hmm. We'll link everything in the episode notes. And I really encourage everybody to go check all of that out. Thank you so much for your time, for your personal stories, for your vulnerability, uh, for your education, for all of it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Like I, I love your personality, Taylor. I just love how like, knowledgeable you are. And I just love like the conversational flow of this. And I really felt like I could keep talking to you forever. So we got to do this like, again. I know. I'm like, wait, do we have to wrap this up? <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. And definitely would love to have you on again in the future. It was super fantastic. So thank you. Thank you. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, and, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Did you know that everyone has an aura? Do you know what color your aura is? Maybe you have a fiery red personality or a quiet and calm blue or green. You could be an organized and methodical yellow or an explosive purple. Come join me, Mystic Michaela, on my podcast, Know Your Aura, to find out all about how your personality can be explained in colors.